Hey, welcome to Hope Church Online. We are so excited to be bringing hope into your home today. It is an honor, and we are so thankful that you have chosen to do church with us. Hey, welcome. My name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church, where every single week we joyfully anticipate great things from an amazing God. We speak life and blessing over you and your home today. We believe that God is for you. He's never against you, and that the best is still yet to come. Even in this crisis, better days are coming. And although this quarantine might not be good, God is good, and he's working all of these things together for your good. He's the best thing that's ever happened to our lives, to my life, and with Jesus, I find peace in the middle of panic every single time. So today, I want to just jump into a story from last week's message called Exceptions Change Everything. If you missed it, you can check it out on YouTube or on Facebook. It's called Exceptions Change Everything, and I think it will be worth your time. But it's a story of, the, of Peter. It's a story of Peter who was the exception. I mean, there were 12 guys out on a boat. 11 guys stayed in the boat, but Peter left the normal. He was the exception. He stepped out of the norm and walked on water. We're going to check it out in Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 today. Let's read it together. The disciples thought Jesus was a ghost, and Jesus said to them this, Take courage. It is I, your friendly neighborhood rabbi, right? He said, don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's really you, because I think you're a ghost, tell me to come to you out on the water. Come, Jesus said. That's one word he gave him. Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me immediately, I love that word, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, he picked him up, he caught him, and he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So last week, we talked about Peter, who embraced the principle of being the exception. Again, 11 guys stayed in the boat, and one was the exception. The principle is rooted in the revelation that you are not mass-produced by God, but you have been customized by your creator. That literally, when God made you, he broke the mold. And there's one biblical writer who defeated the giant Goliath named David. He said it like this. He had a, a level of awareness about his own identity. And he said this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That my heart knows full well. I know it so well that God knew exactly what he was was doing when he made me. I am not a mistake. My parents may have been surprised by my arrival, but my God was not surprised. My parents may not have even intended for me to be here. I may have not been a product of their purpose, but God had a purpose for me. And somehow, some way, he arranged for my existence in the place called earth. He gave me a place here. He said, you're going to be here, and you're not just a consequence of some coincidence. You you have been strategically and intentionally placed here by your God for such a time as this. That's right, Corona 2020 spring. You were born when you needed to be born, where you needed to be born, and just like you needed to be born. So when you look in the mirror today, you need to look in the mirror and say, oh man, I think I like me. 
Maybe you haven't looked in the mirror in a while. I want to encourage you. Go look in the mirror and see how fearfully and wonderfully God made you. Because God knew what he was doing when he made you. He didn't leave anything out of you. I am not deficient. I'm not living with deficits. Because embedded on the inside of me is the competence and the capacity to do what he's called me to do. And to be who he's called me to be. Because he gave me everything I need to be me, I'm going to crush being me. God made me exactly the way he intended me to be. And if he liked it, I love it. If he's good with it, I'm good with it. It's time to start appreciating what God put down on the inside of you. Stop throwing away what he called valuable. And go ahead and like yourself anyway, just the way he likes you. See yourself the way that Jesus sees you. He made you that way. He wanted you to be with the strengths that you needed to have to do what he's called you to do. And a person must understand and embrace this principle if they're going to walk in the reality of being the exception, which says, this is really the principle of being the exception. What happens with them does not dictate or determine what happens with me. If you've been customized by your creator, it means that you cannot look at what happens with everybody else and allow that to limit what happens with you. You are not limited by the limitations of your family, of your boss, of the people around you, of your friend circles. You are not limited by what limits them. You are the exception. God can actually empower you and enable you to exist as the anomaly, as the exception. As the one who walks on what other people are usually drowning in. As the one who's on top of what normally is on top of other people. You can be the exception. Go ahead and write it in the comments. I am the exception. I am the exception. Come on. So in our text today, Peter just embraced that reality. And he steps out of what most people are satisfied with. And he begins to walk on the water towards Jesus. Notice what happened. His eyes shift away from Jesus and onto the wind and the waves around him. And he starts to sink. And as he sinks, we read it, Jesus immediately, oh man, I love that. There's so much life application in that word. Jesus is so gracious. That one word is a loaded reality. It's a pregnant word. The word is immediately immediately, immediately. Could it be that Jesus acted so swiftly, not because he was trying just to save Peter's life, but because he was trying to save something else that Peter had? Come on. If he can raise Lazarus after four days of being dead, surely he didn't have to act quickly or swiftly just to save Peter's life. Maybe he was trying to save something else that was inside of Peter that believed that he was the exception. Maybe he's trying to save his confidence because the boldness that you have now, you may have made some missteps with it, but you're going to step right with it later, Peter. You need to keep up that confidence. You need to keep that belief that you are the exception. And I can save you in this because I want to make sure that you don't start drowning in embarrassment and go underwater because you have this willingness inside of you, Peter, to explore and advance and experiment, and you're going to need that in the days ahead. I need you to not just fail so miserably that it suffocates the fire and the passion that you have to pursue more in your destiny. So let me save you real quick so just your legs get wet. I don't want your whole head
head going under. I don't want you to ever be traumatized by this failure. I want you to say failure was my friend. I learned from that thing and it's making me stronger. And immediately he reaches out his hand and he caught him quickly because he says these words to him. He says, I want you to be okay, but you still have little faith. And he starts hitting something with Peter. He starts addressing something with Peter. He says, you of little faith. Now, Jesus says this another time. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move whole mountains. You could walk on water. There, that's tiny. I mean, I don't know about you, but a mustard seed is little. In other words, you can do big things with little faith. So when he says little here, he's not just talking about the size of Peter's faith. He's talking about the state of Peter's faith. But here's the observation. Out of all the things that Jesus could have gone after and critiqued, he only critiques Peter's faith. He doesn't go after the wind. He's like, you wicked wind, how dare you blow against Peter? He didn't say, you weak water, how dare you let Peter fall through you? He said, you little faith, which means that faith was the factor that contributed to Peter's sinking. He could blame it on the wind. He could blame it on the waves, outside factors, things that happened to Peter. But Jesus says, you're not a victim. You sank because of your faith. He's saying to Peter, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter what happens around you. What really matters for you walking on water and doing the impossible and living as the exception is what's going on inside of you. You're not a victim of this circumstance. You're not a victim of the situation The only thing that really matters is something you can take responsibility for, and that is your faith. So it's like Jesus is teaching Peter how to win without feeling like you got to control things that are outside of your control. You you can't control the wind. He says you can't control the waves. You can't determine what the waves are going to do. I mean, you can live as wisely and as perfectly and as prudently as you can, and contrary winds at some point will blow in your life, will try to knock you out. Win anyway. He's saying win anyway. You are not a victim of what happened to you. You are not a victim of a worldwide virus pandemic. You're not a victim of that abuse. Wind and waves are going to happen, but that has nothing to do with what you believe. Win anyways, because there are times where people are saying, if this wind would just stop blowing in my life, I would be all right. If everybody was just nicer to me, things would be better. If this virus would just go away, I would be okay. If these restrictions would just lift, I could get back to normal. If I could just get to work, it would be all right. Well, if this water would just hold me up and do its job, I could move further in life. But Jesus did not correct the wind or the waves. He corrected the state of the faith, which suggests to us that the wind and the water would have been of little consequence if Peter would have gotten the faith thing right which suggests to us it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It matters what's going on inside of you. Jesus is saying your issue isn't the things that you think is your issue. Could it be that he's teaching us here how not to misdiagnose your dilemma and blame it on an outside factor when really he's trying to develop an inward factor? Because part of the problem for many of us is that we're misdiagnosing the problem. Jesus said, the wind is not your problem because I'm in it and I'm still walking. The waves are not your problem because I'm on the waves and I'm still winning. See, the crisis is not your problem. The crisis is exposing your problems. Somebody is walking in what you are blaming for your stagnation. 
You're blaming something that happened to you for being the reason that you can't walk on what you're exceptionally great at because of that thing. But really, other people are walking in it, walking through it. The wind is the wind. It doesn't affect who and what you are. He says, you of little faith, meaning if you would have gotten that part right, this wind would not have been an issue. So Peter, you didn't sink in water. You didn't almost drown because of water. You were about to drown because of doubt. Doubt is what almost drowned you because if faith had been present, the water and the wind would not have been an issue. So could it be that we're wasting energy trying to fix the wind around us when God is trying to show us to fix the faith within us? Because if you fix the faith, the wind won't matter. The waves won't matter. If you fix the faith, nothing else matters. It's interesting here because Jesus prioritizes faith over every other thing. He could have said, oh, ye of little prayer, because he had just spent hours praying, talking to his father before he went walking on the water. But he didn't critique that about Peter because he knows that that's not the foundation. He knows that faith is the foundation. Jesus isn't walking on the water because he talks to God more and he's more spiritual. He's walking on water because he believes. See, Peter is not only a person who walked on water. More importantly and more realistically, Peter is a person who walked by faith. He walked by believing. He walked on water because of faith. Peter didn't so much walk on water as much as he walked on a word from God. One word from Jesus can change your whole reality forever. And you can walk on a word in faith. Faith actually comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus gave Peter one word. He said, come. One word, come. And that's all he said. And Peter's faith was strengthened, and he stepped out of the boat and onto the word come. He wasn't walking on water as much as he was walking on the word. And we see from this that not only must a water word walker have strong faith, a water word walker must also have long faith because it was the length of the faith that caused him to start sinking. We see Jesus pick up Peter who starts to sink and he says to him, oh, you of little faith, again, why did you doubt? Which literally translated means, oh, you of short duration of faith. Why did you stop believing? Why did you believe so shortly? Not little in size, but little in length. You started out strong, but it didn't last for long. See, not only does God want to flip this season and use this crisis that was meant for evil to get your faith strong, but I believe God wants to use this time to get your faith long, long, because a water word walker must learn to walk in the wind, must learn to walk in the waves. The wind is what drew and blew Peter's attention away from the word from Jesus. One word was what he was walking on. He was walking on the word come. But the wind drew his attention away from the word. And I don't know if you know this, but there is wind on the water. When you're on the water, you experience wind in ways you don't experience it when you're on the ground. So when you're in the city, the wind is obstructed by obstacles and buildings that prevent you from feeling the full force of the wind. But once you get out into open water, out onto the lake, there are no buildings there to block you from experiencing the full force of the wind. And while people are admiring people walking on water, the people who are walking on water want to just give you a warning. It's a wind warning because it's windy 
out on the water. It's windy out there. There are people who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs, and they want the freedom to create and to make full gifts, full use of the gifts inside of them. They want the flexibility of schedule. They want to make a contribution to the world that's not constrained by the normal corporate world. And if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. But there are people walking in that reality who might offer you a word of wisdom, a word of warning. Watch out for the wind because there's nothing out here to block it. You're going to need a stronger word in you than there is wind coming against you. You're going to need a stronger word in you than there is wind coming against you. That's what happened to Peter. There was a stronger wind coming against him than there was a word inside of him. You're going to be like a reed in the wind, tossed to and fro. And wherever the wind blows, that's where you'll wander. It's what James 1, 7, and 8 describes as a double-minded person. He says they're unstable in all of their ways. They're pushed by the wind. Don't think that they'll receive anything from the Lord. You can't be a wind watcher and not start to sink. You don't want to wind watch. You want to be a wind walker. You don't want to be a wind watcher. You want to be a wind walker. Walk through the hot air of life. Walk through the back and forth and fix your faith to the word that you heard. Fix your faith to the word that you heard from Jesus. That one word, come. That's what you're walking on. That's what needs to be stronger and longer in you than any wind or wave coming against you. And it's the one thing to wish you were on the water, to want to be on the water, but it's another thing to brave the waves and walk through the windy days. See, there are some people who are single and they're ready to change their status. They're ready for the rock to be on that finger. They're ready to move in and start this life, but some married people just want you to know you gotta share bathrooms, you got to share food. You got to share thoughts. You got to share your emotions. You got to share your life. They just want you to know it can get windy out here. Wind is hard to see coming. Some people are like craving babies. I wish that I could have a baby. I wish I could have a baby. You have one baby, it gets windy. You have two babies, it gets windy. Or you got three, four babies, make it windy. Wind is an inconvenience that you did not expect when you got what you wanted. Things that you could not predict that did not go to plan. In some way, I'd like to say, we're all walking in the wind of the spring of 2020. We never saw this invisible wind coming. We never saw this invisible war coming. It's windy. It's annoying. It's unrelenting. It won't die down, no matter how bad you want it to stop. When you're out on the water, you can't fight the wind in the natural. You can't punch, punch the wind in the face, right? It'll make you look like a fool. Wind is those seasons and situations that make it more difficult to advance. Wind. Anybody who's ever been out on a lake in the wind, you can tell you it's different out there. It's windy out there. It's harder. It's tiresome. It's grueling. It's discouraging. You can see the glory, but you don't see the story. You see the Instagram post, but you don't see the pressure that I'm pushing through against the wind to get them out there. And there are people who are not on the water, looking at the people on the water saying, man, I wish I had your possessions. I wish I had that
that kind of position. I wish I had that kind of power and influence. And there are people out on the water looking back at people in the boat saying, man, I wish I had that kind of protection, that kind of peace, that kind of placid ride at times. Because you can't feel the wind in the boat that much. But I'm telling you, it's windy out there. It's windier outside the boat. And the person walking on the water like Peter has to have more than just strong faith. They need long faith. Because here's the thing. Strong faith will get you out of the boat. But long faith will keep you walking on the water. Walking through the wind. Walking over the waves. That's so good. I'm going to say it again so you can comment. Go ahead and put in the comments. Strong and long faith. Strong and long faith faith because strong faith will get you out of the boat but long faith will keep you walking on the water stronger and longer yes stronger and longer faith that will outlast the wind faith that will outlast the unexpected faith that will outlast the unpredictable and here's my question it's not do you have strong faith it's do you have long faith do you have a faith that will last through the wind and through the waves. And could it be that this communication is intended by the Holy Spirit to bring some interpretation to your current situation? Because there are some people who are in the middle of a circumstance that you want to come to a conclusion, and maybe God has given you an extension in the middle of your inconvenience because he's trying to give you some education in the area of your faith and let you know, yes, your faith is already strong, but I'm making you wait because I'm getting ready to make it a long faith. Could it be that God is not trying just to strengthen your faith, but he's trying to lengthen your faith and give you a faith? that will outlast the wind of any storm, the wind of this world. Where'd you get that idea, Pastor? Well, James chapter 1, verse 2, it says it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, winds of many kinds. I want to know, is there anybody feeling that today, that many kinds part during this time of isolation? If you're feeling the many kinds, go ahead and write in the comments, many kinds, many kinds. Yes, many kinds. If it's not this, it's that. If it's not him, it's them. If it's not them, it's me. If it's not my job, it's my marriage. If it's not my marriage, it's my kids. If it's not my kids, it's my friends. Just many kinds of trials. Go ahead, put it in the comments. Many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you face many kinds of winds. Because watch this, verse 3, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Don't miss this. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here it is. Sometimes God waits to work on it because he's using it to work on us. Sometimes God waits to let the wind die down. He waits on it because he's using the wind to work on us. We say, like, how long are these restrictions going to last? I mean, how long am I going to have to face these many trials? How long am I going to be hanging out in all of this uncertainty? But Jesus says, consider it pure joy when you face the trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you have strong faith and you have long faith. Here's the thing. 
You only learn patience and perseverance when God drops you in the middle of a situation, in the middle of a storm, and says, even though you're ready for me to take you out, I'm going to make you wait it out. I'm going to make your faith longer, not just stronger. I love this in the message version of the Bible. It says it like this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. That's what the wind does. It comes at you from all sides. Because you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. Is there anybody on this broadcast that's honest enough to say, there are some things pressure pushes out of me that I didn't know were still in me? I mean, there's some true colors that come out that I didn't see coming until I got under pressure. Some of us didn't know that we had so much meanness in us until we got under pressure, like cooped up in our houses with our children, and they just call out your name in the house like, Mom, Mom, Dad, Dad. We're like, what? What do you want? It's like, whoa, easy, honey, easy, sweetheart. It's like, wow, you really didn't know what was in you until you got put under pressure. Listen to this. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. Let's say it again. Let it do its work. Let it do its work. What's the it? That crazy thing that's causing the pressure. So instead of resisting the wind, let the wind do its work. So you become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. Wow, that is a word from Eugene Peterson. So that you become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. Why would God say that the testing of my faith produces perseverance? Unless he's trying to teach me that he tests my faith with time. Long faith is strong faith. The worst thing about this quarantine, to me, is the length of time. It's testing me. Let it do its work. I'm preaching to myself. Let it do its work because the test of faith is not always in how big that I can believe, but how long I can believe. Can I keep on believing? Can I not stop believing? Can I make it through the unknown amount of weeks ahead? Can I believe for it to happen all day and then it not happen? And then I wake up Monday and check your faith tank and you say, yep, I still got it in there. It's still in there. And then believe for it to happen on Tuesday and nothing happened all the Tuesday. And you check your faith tank and you say, yep, I still got it. It's still in there. And believe for it to happen the day after that, the week after that, the month after that, and it not happen and say, I still believe. I still remember the word he said over the wind that I hear blowing. I still remember the word he said over the waves that I see crashing. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it every day. We're talking about long faith. This might just be my day. Can your faith last? Can your faith outlast the length and the time, the test of time? A long faith is a lasting faith. A long faith is a strong faith. The woman with the issue of blood would have kept bleeding if her faith didn't last 12 long years. The woman in Luke 13 with the bent over back would have stayed in her crippled position, her crippled condition, if her faith didn't last 18 years. 
The man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 would have stayed in his condition if his faith didn't last 38 years. The man who'd been blind since birth would have stayed in his condition if his faith did not outlast the blindness. Long faith looks at the wind and says, it's going to be one of us that quits first, and I won't be quitting anytime soon. I have long faith. You want to get me to quit? I'm not quitting. I'm not getting distracted. I'm not getting deceived. I'm not looking at the wind or the waves. I got a word from God. I got long faith. It's a strong faith. Come on, write in the comments, God is lengthening my faith. God is lengthening my faith. He's making my faith longer and stronger. And I would say God teaches us no irrelevant lessons. If he's teaching me something, it's something I need to learn. If he's lengthening something, it's because it needs to be lengthened. And I've been hearing all about strong faith. Keep up the faith. But I haven't been hearing about long faith. In this quarantine, people tell me to be strong. But I don't hear, believe long. Keep on believing. Watch this. The text says, when Peter saw the wind, he got filled with fear and he began to sink. So he saw the wind and the wind gave him fear. Jesus told him, come. He came, but then when he saw, what he saw influenced him more than what he heard. What Jesus said in the beginning got Peter out of the boat, but what he saw in the middle caused him to sink in the sea. See, it's one thing to hear God at the beginning and jump out of the boat, but it's another thing to let what you heard have more influence over what you see have more influence than what you see in front of you. Peter's like, Jesus, I know I heard you say, come, but I see some things in the middle of this. And what I see has more influence over me than what you said. But if you're going to walk on what other people sink in, you cannot allow what you see to cause you to disbelieve what you heard in the beginning. If you heard Jesus say, come, it doesn't matter what you see right in front of you. If you heard him say, leap, it doesn't matter what you see in front of you. If you heard him say, go, it doesn't matter what you see. If you heard him say, it's yours, it doesn't matter if it looks like it's somebody else's or somebody else's time or somebody else's thing. You cannot allow what you see in the middle to influence you more than what you heard at the beginning. I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep walking in the wind because I heard something. Jesus said, come. Jesus called me to walk to life in the fullest. Jesus called me to walk in wholeness. Jesus called me to walk in my true identity and worth. I heard him say something. That's why I'm here, because I heard something. That's why we refuse to quit, because I heard something. That's why I won't let you talk me out of it because I heard something. That's why we won't be defeated by this thing because we heard something. That's why we're going to get up every time we fall because we heard his voice and I will not allow what I see to cause me to question what I heard because what I see doesn't change what he said, but what he said will change what I see. What I see does not change what he said, but what he said will change what I see. I heard something. Come on, write it in the comments if you heard something. I heard something. So many people are talking about living in the last days. But if we're not careful, we're painting a picture of gloom and doom for our children. And yes, it is challenging times. And yes, there are elements of the end times. But I'm not worried because at the same time that all that's going on, I hear something different from heaven. 
I hear God said that his glory would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. I hear God said that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. I hear that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Prophecy is simply future talk. In other words, your young people will get filled with the Spirit of God and they'll start talking, dreaming about the future. They won't be saying it's all over. They'll be full of hope. They'll be looking to the future. But God says, I'm going to raise up a generation who's going to have a dream for the future who will say, we're going to change politics. We're going to change injustice. We're going to change the loss being lost. We're going to change our city. We are joyfully anticipating a brighter future. When fear out on the water tries to defeat people of hope, we get a dream for the future based on what God said. When fear comes at us in the wind, in the waves, we get a dream for the future based on what God said to start with. When fear tries to defeat us, we get dreams for the future. Because the worse it gets, the Bible says, the better it gets for us. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, church, shine, people of hope. Your light has come, and the glory of God rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord, he's rising upon you, and his glory appears over you. Here's the thing, church. The darker the world gets, the brighter the church gets. He said you'll go from brightness to brightness. From glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. If you listen to what Jesus is saying, you know what you'll hear? We win long term. We win long run. You can do this, Peter. Lengthen your faith because we win. Bring on the crisis, we win. Bring on the uncertainty, we win. Bring it on because when it's all said and done, there will be something standing longer and stronger. We have a king who has overcome every weapon that's coming against you. Every trouble in your world, every fear in your heart, whatever it is, we win. Longer and stronger. Whatever happens, we win. We don't need a fearful church. We need a church that's hearing the sound of victory over the virus. A scared world needs a brave church. A broken world needs a whole church. A frozen world needs a freed church. A worried world needs a worshiping church. Let's not just strengthen our faith, church. Let's lengthen it. Let's let it last and outlast the wind and the waves. The cool thing about storms is every storm has a beginning and every storm has an end. And this isn't over yet and neither is my faith. It allows all kinds of things, all kinds of things, many kinds of problems to produce perseverance in us. And let perseverance finish its work so that we might be mature and complete in Christ lacking nothing. Come on, I can't wait for this to be over, church. I can't wait for the storm to subside. Not, not, not so we can just get back to normal. Not just so that we can move forward and get a new normal, but so that we can be abnormally strengthened and lengthened on the other side of this crisis. You are coming out of this thing better than you were before. You're coming out transformed. A better version of you is going to emerge out of this crisis. A mightier version of you. You're coming out stronger. You're coming out full of faith. You're coming out full of hope. You're coming out more equipped. Lean into the Word of God because God wants to do a transformation in your life. Just 
Stay in there. Lengthen your faith. Never the same in Jesus' name because you're coming out stronger. The Bible says that which is born of God overcomes the world. You were created to be an overcomer. This is your season in Jesus' name. Come on, we're not just going for a strong faith that gets us out of the boat and onto the water, but we're going for a long faith that keeps us walking on what everybody else drowns in time and time again. Here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, you have nothing to anchor that faith to. Jesus is the hope that is an anchor for our soul. So today, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've walked away from Jesus and you feel like you're getting blown around, tossed to and fro in the wind. I want to tell you, Jesus is still for you. He still loves you. And he wants to be that anchor of hope in the middle of the storm. He wants to anchor your feet in life. Hold your feet in life to the fullest. So if that's you today, you want to get back into relationship with Jesus. You want to come to Jesus and relate to him for the first time. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day to start believing in what Jesus says. The Bible says it's so easy. If you believe in your heart that Jesus can help you and you ask him into your life with your mouth, he will come and he will build you up in your inner man. He will build you up. He will save you. He will give you things that you cannot give yourself. So today, if that's you, I would love to pray with you. Let's do it together as a church family. Together, let's pray. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I put my life in your hands. I trust you. I say you are my anchor. You are my source. Make me a new creation. Have your way in me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, let it be so for you today. Man, we are so excited that you're joining us. If you just made that decision for the first time, can I encourage you? Go online, look at Hope Church online, and get some more faith-building content into your heart and life. We are here to add value into your walk with Jesus, and we cannot wait to see what good comes out of this mess. The good things he has in store for you. The Bible says no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it. No one can fully comprehend how good he is and the good things he has in store for you. I like to tell you, surely, for sure, goodness and mercy, it's following you as you follow Jesus. He's not here to control your life. He's not here to ruin your life. He's here to give us life to the fullest. So just relate to him. Talk to him like you would a friend. That's called prayer. Open up your Bible, read his word, get into relationship with him, and allow him to speak to you right where you're at. I love our God because he always meets us exactly where we're at, but he loves us too much to leave us there. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We'd love to see you right here next Friday at 7 p.m. for a worship night together. Also, we'll see you right here Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30, or 11. We love you, church. We'll see you soon.